Welcome to Have You Got Your Shit Together with me, Caitlin O'Ryan, the podcast that celebrates not having your shit together. On today's episode, we have Joanne Mallon. She is an author, a podcaster, and the UK's most experienced media career coach. She trained as a coach in 2001 after a 10-year career as a TV producer for shows including GMTV and This Morning. She's an experienced journalist and also produces and hosts her own podcast, Five Minutes to Change Your Life, one of the UK's top five self-improvement podcasts. Joanne writes a popular well-being blog, Opposable Thumbs, and her books include How to Find Joy in Five Minutes a Day, Change Your Life in Five Minutes a Day, and Find Your Why, A Guide to Finding Your Purpose in Life. Her newest book on how to find calm is out now. It's a great stocking filler. It was such a great conversation with Joanne. You can really tell why she makes such a successful coach. She's warm and real and incredibly wise. I hope you enjoy the episode. Here's Joanne. Yeah, isn't it? So it lights up within you. Yeah, it lights up, and yeah. you're like, it's a possibility, and it and it draw, yeah. draws draws you in. Um, when it might be just you know a notification that there's something new on Netflix or yeah. nothing of, of any consequence. So, but if let, let's say something like WhatsApp, if you you turn off your WhatsApp notifications, mm. you still got WhatsApp. You can still go and look at it, but you choose when you look yes. at it. Whereas I, th- I think what we're, the sort of situation that we've got into is it's our phones deciding. It's mm. it's the big corporations who want to advertise it's to wild, us because our eyeballs are valuable. We're there looking at adverts. Mm. You know, it's all of that stuff. So I think because yeah. that constantly breaks people's attention and we've got into the habit of having broken attention yeah. th- throughout the day, then when you try and sit down and, like, read a book for, for half an hour, you can't do it, can oh, you? And I'm, I'm getting to the point now where, like, I'm trying to read a book and I'll, I'll read, like, a few paragraphs and there's a thing in my head that's like, OK, well, if I get to the end of this page, then I'll reward myself with, like, a <laughs> phone scroll. It's so sad. Do you know what I, I do now is when I'm um, reading is I'll, I'll put the phone in another room yeah, or I'll turn it face down and put it under a cushion. If it's any... What I get is I'll read something and it'll I'll think, oh, what does that mean? Or who is that person? Or it reminds me of something else. Yeah. And then I want to go and look it's up that so other crazy, thing. It? Or search something yeah, on Google. Yeah. And also what I've started to find is that it just... There's no boundaries with your accessibility anymore, so... Yeah. I, I I had a, a time a few years ago where I was I was just a lot of things had gone wrong and I was mm-hmm. having really bad anxiety for for uh, quite a while, and I had to completely go back to basics with all these things yeah. and just absolutely prioritise drinking water, doing exercise, yeah. sleeping, eating nutritious, just all the complete basics. It's like that, that Maslow's pyramid of needs, isn't yes, it? Is that what yes, it? Yeah, go back completely to... that, and so I I yeah. have quite a a strict. Um, sort of evening routine that yeah. I just won't be looking at my phone. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's difficult because like a lot of people, my phone is also my work. alarm clock. Oh yeah. Work, yeah. But no, but I don't want to be in you know work mode yeah. at sort of ten o'clock mm-hmm. at night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but things like my work email, I don't have that pushed through to my phone. That's so that's I only work. actually see the work-based emails when I go and sit down mm. at my work computer. Yeah. So, and that is a very deliberate thing. Yeah. Because um, really there's nothing that you're going to miss, you know, if you don't go and look for an hour, half, half an hour, whatever. I know. It's, it's very rare. How often do you get something at 11 o'clock at night that 
turns out to be magically life changing and you wish you were absolutely there for it doesn't happen does yeah. it yeah if somebody really wants to get hold of you they, they will yeah um or they'll wait they'll be happy to wait a yeah. few days nothing yeah. is that urgent i don't think especially with work yeah yeah anyway hello <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the podcast thank we'll you start recording on a scale of shit to together how are you feeling today Really good. Yeah. Really good. I'm so glad we're doing this oh, good. today because yeah. I, I do feel like it's it's a really good phase. You know, right now in October 2023, I've been referring to this month as Funtober <gasps> because, um, well, I had, had my book come out yes. um, about how to be calm. That seems to be going down really well. Which I've got a copy um, of. Those. Yeah, people seem to be liking it. Yeah. And I did, did some nice events and stuff and that, that was all good and all nice. Mm-hmm. Um and and kind of around that, you know, I got my nails done the same colour as the Gorgeous. book cover. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm kind of, I, I feel kind of more physically, mentally together. Yeah. And then there's just been a load of gigs that I've been to that I've enjoyed. Yeah. And fun times with friends and family. And went to Legoland last week with my kids. I mean, my oh. kids are grown up. They're, yeah. they're hey, there's theory. no age on Lego. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, because um, my, my daughter through her work could get us free tickets to Legoland. Wow. So we were like, hey, guys, come on, let's go. And because they're grown up, my kids are 23 and 20. Yeah. We could go on a, a, a school day. So the rest wow. of the world's in school and we're just buzzing around, around Legoland yeah. having a laugh. So, um, yeah, so I think it's it's nice to market and say, actually, right now, here, today, things are going really well. That's great. You know how people always say, um, oh, things must pass. And mm. they tend to apply that to bad times in order to get them through bad yeah. times. You know bad times are going to pass. But I think also you have to remember that all good things pass as oh, well, yeah. you know, and just because you're you're not not to be gloomy and doomy, but no, no, I think no. it's more about savoring the moment and feeling grateful for being in in a good place in your life. Because who knows what tomorrow might bring? Who knows what what next week yeah. might bring? I think the you know the world has shown us that that um, well, it's kind of full of the unexpected challenges, Definitely. isn't it? So yes, I'm I'm in top shit together form Amazing. today. <laughs> Amazing. How long have you been working on the book then? Because it came out this month. Just came out a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. It was it was written round about this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um sort of in the few months towards the, the, the end of last year. Well, the thing with my books is there's not a lot of words in them. Mm. My job is to provide the words and they're very designed. They're designed to be um, a, a gift. So I'm I'm given certain criteria like you know this page needs a tip and it needs to be between fifty and hundred words. So yeah. it, the actual writing part it sort of takes more thinking than putting words down on page. And then once yeah. you put words down on page, then there's all the moving around. That's the kind of longer part of it. But it, it, you know it doesn't take as long as say a novel or a full-length book. So I I think, yeah, it was a few months towards the end of last year. And then in the start of the year, then the design people come in and make it all look really nice, which I have nothing nothing to do with that. I just turn up and go, yeah, that looks nice. That's so (laughs) cool. That must be so cool when you get the first, like, tangible copy of it. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 like a baby. Yeah, but but also the thing with books is, because it is such a long process... By the time it appears, you've already mentally, physically moved on to whatever is your next yeah. thing. And then when the book comes out, 
you have to go back into that mental space again. So you have to sit down and read it again, <laughs> which is quite interesting because by that time you're quite... That's like a consumer you, almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you've got a distance from it. Yeah. And, um, and a few, I must say, a few interviews I've done, they'll refer to something in it that I can't remember that's in there. And they'll go, oh, I like this point you put. And I'll go, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, <laughs> wow, that sounds great. <laughs> Whoever wrote that did well. So you just have to kind of go with the flow yeah. of that. But... Um, yeah, no, it's it's nice. It's it's sort of it's because it's about being calm. Yes, and um, a lot of people have said, "Oh, yeah, I need that. I need that right now." And my thought is always, the world is already stressful. Mm. There's already stress present for everybody every single day, and so um, we need to put being calm and taking care of ourselves at the centre of our days as well. But I think very often um, people treat that stuff. Like it's like it's a side hustle, like it's dessert, like it's a yeah. thing you'll get to as and when. You know, the, the whole kind of, oh, yeah, if I get round to it, I'll, I'll go to the gym or I'll drink some more or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, so, the, so the book has, um, I think, 66 tips in it. Wow. I don't expect anybody to go through it and do each thing, but mm. it's more because um, everybody's different. So I hope there's something in there for yeah. everybody. I mean, the, so that and the previous books I've done... The structure is to take you through a, a day in your life. So it starts off with stuff you can do in the morning, goes through to the evening and the future. But actually, what most people say to me is that they just open it up like a lucky dip. Yes. They just keep it around the yeah. place. They open it up and go, OK, that's going to be my thing that I'll yeah. do for today. Yeah. Well, I think the reason that I wanted to get you onto this podcast is because I think there's definitely parallels between, like, the have you got your shit together concept and, like, trying to reach calmness. Mm. What what's your journey been like with calmness then? Because obviously you can write a book like this, but like anything, being calm is it's not even emotion, is it? It's a it's a state that sometimes you will be in and sometimes you won't be in. Like I think I think of it as an active state. Yes. I think sometimes we we talk well we we talk about somebody being at peace mm. often when they've died. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Oh, so and so is at peace now. Yeah. And like for me, that's, that's what so having true. your shit together, being yeah. calm, whatever. Death. It's about being at peace. But yeah. I, you know, I I would I would like for myself and for anybody else, I think to look to be at peace mm. in your in your daily life. That's the thing to go for. And exactly as you say, it's an active state. Yeah. It's a thing you have to work at. I mean, God. Being from Northern Ireland, clearly, you know, uh, the peacefulness, the peace yeah. process, all of that stuff is um, very, very resonant to us. And, and you know, I've lived through times when you, you see that peace is hard to attain yeah. in any situation and it's often fragile when you get... And you have to work at it. You really have to work at it. That's why with, with a lot of the stuff that's in the book, it's kind of easy daily habits, you know, like going out and looking at the sky, yeah. you know, like just uh, taking a magnesium supplement because magnesium is really good for helping you feel calm. But, yeah, it is... Um, it's an active thing mm. to work at. And for me personally, people have often remarked to me that I can appear calm. Yeah. But I, I know in myself that there's been a difference between times when I've maybe appeared to be calm um, on, the, on the surface because yeah. I'm often quite quiet and more introvert. Um, I'm not extrovert in any way at all. <laughs> um, you know, you can be like the swan who appears to be mm. um, gliding along, but actually underneath the surface is, is 
paddling like mad to try yeah. and keep afloat. I'm definitely I'm at a space now where I feel I do feel more like it's an inner calm, like it's a genuine kind of thing that runs through me rather than me just appearing to be calm when actually I'm I'm kind of freaking out a bit um on underneath. And I think a lot of that is because I've had a few years now of, as you said, doing all these things like focusing on regular sleep, exercise, um, just the basics of, yeah. of self care. But yeah. you know, you have to live it. You can't write a book about how to be calm and and then be a complete mess in <laughs> <your> life. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. But also part of it is just um experience of life and you mm. see things in a broader context you know a sort of a, a big thing with me is um you know you don't sweat the small stuff and you see that so much of life is just small stuff yeah so there's a lot of things that just piss other people off that I, I'm really not that arsed yeah. about you know when couples have arguments about how to load the dishwasher all that yeah. kind of bollocks really who can be arsed that's <laughs> it's, it's, that's not worth your time yeah you know? so I, I guess I'm selective about what bothers me and yeah. where I put my time, where I put my energy. Um, and I do feel that me taking care of my health and well-being and energy is something that I'm doing for myself, but also for everybody around everyone, me. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. Everybody that depends on you, mm. whether it's colleagues, friends, family, yeah. whoever, they need you to be well. So yes. you've got to look after your own well-being. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so on that then, what does having your shit together mean to you? <laughs> I think it's it's really what we were just saying. I think, yeah. I think it is about being at peace, mm. being comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. I, think, I think that's a big, big part of it. It's I don't think it's about um, showing up all shiny in the world. It's about just being comfortable in, in yourself because you know, that's just um, freedom when you're not reliant on other people for yeah. how you how you feel it's like um you know um we often talk about things and people pushing our buttons mm. so and so pushes my buttons i really believe you know you have to have the buttons in the first place and everybody's buttons are different so yeah. really how you feel is is not dependent on other it's dependent on you yeah what are your buttons how do you deal with them all of, all of that kind of stuff i think if we all kind of focused on getting our own shit together that's what would make the biggest difference to how we relate to each other. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, because I think knowing what what triggers you with a small T but, like, sets you off and having an awareness of how you're impacted by that sort of stuff is how to equip you moving forwards, really, with engaging with the world and knowing yourself better. Yeah. Completely. And, and it sort of... If something's triggering you that's a signal for you to do some work on mm. yourself. It's not a, I don't think it's fair to blame whatever yeah. the trigger is coming is coming from because yeah. we're all affected by Definitely. different things in different ways, aren't yeah. we? Depending on whatever our past history has been. I guess it's kind of as as I was saying, um we all experience stress every day, but even if you're having a really chilled day where everything's working absolutely fine, each of us is still a person with a past with it with a history you're still carrying yeah um whatever's come before mm-hmm. for you which you know might be huge heavy shit or or not so much but whatever it is you know the the, the ripples of our previous life still um 
come with us. So that's, yeah. that's, that's the challenge to, to deal with all that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So for people at home who, who might not know, how would you describe the work that you do? Because it's very varied. You've had such a varied career. Yeah, I, 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 I like that. I, yeah. I, I, I used to get a bit um, intimidated by, by if I had a diary page with nothing much up, nothing much coming up. I, I think, oh, that's, what a terrible fit you have in the diary. <laughs> now I'm quite excited by that because mm. it all, all varies. Basically, um, I started I started off working in TV. I was, yes. I was, a, I was a TV producer mm-hmm. for about 10 years or so, um, working in a lot of daytime, live programmes like This Morning, mm-hmm. GMTV, um, not really high quality things that people are going to remember, but just, you know... Hey, kind I of, love This Morning. I, I, <laughs> It was a very, very stressful programme to work on. I know it's it's been in the news recently um, for being a toxic workplace and it was hugely toxic when when I was there. It was the kind of place where people would be in tears every single day and that was so normalised that nobody would ever look up and say, are you all right? That's You'd just be oh, yes, yeah, so-and-so's crying, you know, because you knew it would be you crying. Oh, my gosh. In, in the future. It wasn't a nice place to, to work. But I tell you what, after that, any time I worked anywhere on TV, they would look at my CV and say, oh, God, you did a year on this morning. And it was like wow. you'd been in the war. Oh, my God. <laughs> I went straight out of that from as a researcher and got a producer job because they were like, oh, well, wow. if you've survived this morning, and yeah. anything's possible. But anyway, I, I did that for a length of time. Mm. And I, I got to the point where I just wasn't finding it satisfying um it it just it wasn't fulfilling to me I felt like I'm putting all my creative energy into making something that who's even watching it it's it's like a sausage factory kind of live tv so something it was fun in the moment but it it just I thought I'm not making a difference in the world particularly I'm entertaining people and I do feel that, that that is an important thing to do but it just, um, yeah, it wasn't really doing it for me. And then I was starting to hear about this thing called coaching, life coaching. Mm. That, that was starting to um, kind of make a big noise in, in the media. Round about so the year, year 2000, um, it was in all the magazines and the newspapers. And I was, it was just kind of something in, in the back of my mind was thinking, oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, and then my my granddad unexpectedly passed away and so I so I ran to me I got I got a little bit of money from him mm. and I thought what should I do with this and I thought I want to put this into something significant yeah so I ended up spending that money on a coaching training course wow. um and it was it's still brand new at, at the time I mean now now coaching's much more known I, I feel like I like it's, quite an American concept yeah right? yeah, yeah. so I, th- I think it's very similar to um the personal trainers mm. it used to be that you had heard of personal trainers as something that film stars have <laughs> yeah. whereas now you know you've, you've probably either worked with one or you definitely know mm. somebody that's worked with one if you wanted to find a personal trainer you, you could easily enough coaching's kind of followed yeah. a similar sort of trajectory so i've been doing that for 20 plus years i've sort of over time i've shifted from more life coaching into what i do now exclusively is career coaching for people who work in media creative people so that tends to be writers tv producers directors um people in the digital Mm. creative world all all those kind of people because over time as i've been doing the coaching i've never done that 100 percent. so i've always as well as that 
done writing and now, now I'm writing books. Mm-hmm. I worked as a social media manager for Warner Brothers for a while. Um, so so the whole, all of the kind of media and creative world that my clients come to me to talk about, I know that yeah. world, I've been in that and yeah. I understand, I understand how it's different to other mm. industries. And so there are different things about how you might present your CV, how you might find your next job, all of that kind of stuff. So so where I'm at now is um, I coach people mostly on Zoom and, and they're just, they're all around the world. I had, I had the other day I was, I was, I had in one day I was in Worthing, London, oh Canada, gosh. Minneapolis, Washington, <laughs> just everywhere. Yeah. Just all, all these really lovely people. And the nice thing about doing it on Zoom is it's like, like they're in the next room. Yeah. You know, it's so like you're in their house as um, well. Yeah. So, so, so at the moment I'm, so I've got the, Coaching is kind of my main thing. Um, and then I do the books, I would say, are more kind of well-being, life coaching sort of things. Mm. The most recent one is How to Find Calm in Five Minutes a Day. And the previous one was How to Find Joy in Five yeah. Minutes a Day. And then as an off spin from that, I started doing a podcast mm-hmm. last year, um, which is called Five Minutes to Change Your Life, which is a, a kind of unusual in that it is only five minutes long. Mm. And um, the idea is that each episode has got a tip or a, a something that will change your life in a positive way. Yeah. Because um, I wanted to do it and I felt like there's an awful lot of very long podcasts. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> which is great, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. nice to have these sort of long yeah. conversations. But sometimes you just want something Definitely. pretty, pretty quick. And sort of these these quick um, practical things yeah, yeah. that seems to have become um, quite a, a niche for me. So so yeah. So so the, so it's always something That's different. Great. Every day is different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a nice so nice space to be in. Because well, then, I mean, the nice thing about coaching is um, a coaching session always ends in a really positive practical. place. You, yeah. you, I think I think the popular image of coaching is that it's some kind of charismatic individual giving advice mm. to, you know telling them how to live their life it's not like that at all it's about questioning people very deep listening so you're listening beyond the words that a person uses mm. you're looking for their body language their tone all of that but you're trying to as an objective outsider take them to a more positive place of possibility mm. so by the end of the session they know what they need to do next in order to take themselves wherever they want to go. Yeah. So that basically that's the big difference between coaching and therapy. Therapy is about the past. Therapy is where you examine your baggage. Um, coaching is about the future. Mm-hmm. So coaching is where you decide what from your baggage you're going to take with you in in the future. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy. That's doing so interesting. That. What I love about the fact that you're doing it with like particularly creative people is because I think within creative pursuits I can only speak for myself really is that there is a lack of control that you feel because you are kind of at the whim of your career so for example being an actor like I can't really control where I'm going to get the work or what I'm going to get cast in and all these things or if you're writing you can't really control whether someone's going to like what you write because it's also subjective and I think that can feel really disempowering sometimes because you're kind of, I anyway feel like I am, um, my life is kind of in response to the opportunities that I'm given as opposed to I don't feel like I am at the front foot of 
actively making those decisions for myself. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And also, in, earlier on in your career, yeah. you feel like you have to say yes to everything. Yes, yeah. You rarely get a freelancer who says no. But the, mm. the, the trouble is, you do reach a point where you have to start and say yeah. no, because otherwise you, you'll end up that in a cul-de-sac yeah. Yeah, that is not right for you. Yeah. Probably a bit like how I did in TV. I just yeah, ended yeah. up doing too many of these crappy daytime shows mm. and finding myself not in a place where I wanted to be. The other thing I find that probably relates to this is it's very, very common to have imposter syndrome when you're in the kind of profession as you are where every job you have to prove yourself anew mm. so um you know you're, you're constantly the new kid even though you'll have been hired because of your previous experience and the fact that somebody believes you can do the job when you step into it it's it's like you're, you're the new kid at school yeah again it's, it's very very difficult i find that that's incredibly common um so so, so I, I always encourage people who are feeling like that to um look for what we call evidence of competence. So evidence that you, that you actually can do the job. Mm. You know, it's amazing how, how many people I speak to express, you know, doubts about are they any good at the job? And I'd say, okay, um, look at the last few years. Have you actually had previous work? And then they'll tell you a whole big list of all the amazing clients who've hired them. Yeah. And I say, look, these people aren't hiring you to do you a favour. Yeah, yeah. They're hiring you because they think you're good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how many people who've had very high profile jobs but still don't fundamentally believe that they deserve mm. to be doing that work. Yeah. Gosh, it's wild. Um, okay, before the podcast, I asked you to think of an object that yes. makes you feel like you've got your shit together. Okay, I've, I've got... Oh! I, I've got something. I, I, knew, I knew immediately what this would be. I've actually got two of these. Okay. And it, <laughs> it is a a seven oh my kilogram gosh. dumbbell. dumbbell. So, wow! And there's, there's the other one. Gosh, that's heavy. Hair. That's heavy. Oh my god, I can't even pick that up. That's heavy. No, the reason why I've got I've got a few of these. I've wow. Got, I've got lighter than that, and I've got heavier than yeah. that. Yeah. So strength training yes. is something that's really really important. I mentioned earlier how. I, I really, um, you know, focused a lot on exercise and stuff. So this is something I've taken up in recent years. Yeah. The reason I've chosen this seven kit because I literally can't a, even pick that, that up. That's a hefty ass yeah, weight. Yeah, it is. Okay? That's a real hefty ass weight. But you know, you can use that for for a lot. Of <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was recording this now. Holding it, holding it over our heads. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And I, you know, and I just, I, just, I really enjoyed. It. I think sometimes. Um, Women getting into strength training and yes. can be a little bit scared of picking yeah. up a heavy, chunky-sized weight yeah. like that. Um, but, you know, you're not going to suddenly turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger just <laughs> picking up one of them. Um, it's so empowering, honestly. Yes. I, I cannot speak highly enough about strength training and working out with weights. I mean, I'm not a bodybuilder, mm. you know. I haven't got, like, six-pack or anything like that. Um, but it's just it just feels so great to be um, you know as as a woman, particularly me, you know as as a, a woman in my fifties, just being strong enough to um, work out with these things. That's so cool. And you know the interesting thing, um, Caitlin. Since I started, it was about sort of four or five years ago. I started just really focusing on strength training, mm. and I was a little bit scared about the weights area in the gym because you do tend to associate it with you know, big, muscly yeah. fellas. 
So I always I would go in and I would look around to see, am I the only woman here? And I never am. I never, never am. Because it's it's just strength training has grown. More and more women are doing it. More and more women are doing it. Yeah. All ages, all levels of fitness. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, the obvious thing for me is it, it's recommended to you as a as a going through menopause thing because mm. you, you're losing bone density and you're losing muscle tone, mm. and working out with weights will help you with with yeah. all of that. That's, so it's kind of, it's quite common for women, say forty five plus, mm-hmm. will be doing strength training. But I just see all women. You know, it's, it's yeah, some days I, I go in and there, there's more women there than there yeah. are men. It's it's definitely something that's grown and grown and grown and it just um there's such a correlation between feeling feeling physically and mentally strong mm-hmm. it's like my husband said he can tell if I come back and I've lifted a heavier weight than I've lifted before I'm just so buzzing I'm so excited yeah. by it I absolutely love it so so to me I, I, that's kind of I think that's the biggest thing in recent years that's helped me that. feel physically comfortable yes. in my own skin and to have a body confidence that I've had um, and I didn't have when I yeah. was younger, not at all. I don't look any different, but um, but I just feel I feel you feel you just stronger. you feel stronger in yourself, yeah. and you feel like well, it is an achievement, um, and also it's an investment in your future. You know, I mm. always sort of say to myself now, I'm working out the weights now so that I I can wipe my own ass when I'm ninety. <laughs> And I, I do, th- I definitely think that my experience of going through my 50s is substantially helped by the fact that I spent a lot of time exercising when I was in my 40s. So I only really properly started exercising when I was, say, 39 turning 40. You know, when you're hitting that kind mm. of, and anybody's hitting a landmark age. I get people coming for coaching all the time who've just hit a, land, a 25, That's, 30, 34. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they're they're yeah, like, yeah. oh my God, what's going what on with my life? Yeah, it's a little bit like that. So, so I was coming up to 40 and I'd mm. never really exercised that much because I grew up at a time when PE at school was designed to make you hate yourself and hate exercise. We, we had this thing, this quite common of women of my generation, that when you did PE at school, you had to run around in your school uniform knickers and they, they would say, oh, get your mommy to, to um, sew a length of ribbon down the side of it. And then they'll be just like running shorts. So you didn't actually get to wear proper shorts. Oh my so my experience was running around on a freezing cold hockey pitch Jesus. at this. I went to a convent school just off the Falls Road in Belfast. Oh. And we're all running around. And there was, there was a whole group of um, houses that overlooked the school hockey pitch. Yeah. And all these... Our fellas used to hang over their back to watch these schoolgirls oh running around God. in their knickers. Just shocking. And oh I, I talk to my kids now, and when they do PE, they're doing trampolining, yeah. they're doing yoga, they're doing so. I'm thinking, why didn't I get to do that? <laughs> so, and I, so I was that kind of awkward, chubby girl who got picked last mm. at games, who had to run around in her knickers, just make it even worse. So it took a long time yeah. for me to move away from that and just be an adult and see that, actually, you know, I have to take responsibility for my own health and yeah. fitness. And particularly when I had kids, I thought, Do you know what, I want to be a strong mummy. Yeah. I want to be around for you as you grow up. If you have kids of your own, I want to be around and be engaged with that. So it's kind of, so when I was turning, 39 turning 40, I thought, right, 
I want to turn 40 as fit as I can do. And by that time, I trained in coaching. So I knew much more about goal setting and how to make Mm. things happen. And I realised that if you say to yourself, I want to get fit, that's a completely meaningless goal because Mm. there's no... There's no definition to it. What's fit for an athlete is completely different to what me being fit means to me yeah. or you or anybody else at all. So that's actually when if you can't define a goal, like how do you know if you've ever reached it? So where I came to, what I decided to do was I thought I'll join a gym and I'm going to go to the gym 150 times in the year. Okay, yeah. which is a big number. I know mm-hmm. it's a big number, but that's only three times a week. 50 weeks out of the year not even every week and I thought I that's kind of I still do it now but I've literally done that for the last 15 years and because it's kind of my rule to myself is I have to get in there and I mark it off in my diary when I've got and I've gone each gone each time I don't have to do anything in particular I just walk in the door walk out again and I can still tick that off in my diary that I've done it but of course once you're there then you start doing stuff so um yeah so so I so then throughout my 40s I just carried on doing that every, every year and now I have got good health and fitness and all around me, you know, my peers are like, everybody's coming through menopause and complaining how, how crap they feel. I'm like, I, I feel great. I'm like, look, look at me lifting my big <laughs> Aren't you glad I didn't bring down the 15 kilo? Because oh I, do, I do have God. one of those. Yeah. The only, I mean, I, I prefer working out in the gym. The reason I have these at home is because of the dreaded lockdown. I had yes, to do yes, it at yeah. home, um, which I didn't enjoy at no. all. But I, I sort of felt like... The pandemic and the lockdown took so much away from us. And I thought, I've spent years building up my fitness. Yeah. I'm not going to let this, um, take this away from me as well. So I just kind of forced myself to work out here in the living room, which wasn't much fun. Mm. But I was quite pleased that when finally gyms opened up again, I was in, you know, reasonably reasonably good shape. Yeah. I think that's so great because I think... I, I only started going to the gym a few years ago, but w- one of the things that was putting me off it was I was intimidated by, like, gym and, like, lad culture mm. and also, like, not knowing what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, you know, I'd walk in, I'd, I'd kind of go on a treadmill for, like, five minutes and then I'd be like, I don't really know what I'm doing, like, pump some pump some kind of machine and leave. But once you kind of start to get a grasp of it, it is a really empowering thing. Completely. No, I, I was exactly yeah. the same as you because I had come out of this time of not thinking that I was any kind of sporty or fitness yeah. person. And I remember joining my local council gym in London where I was living at the time and just thinking, oh my God, I don't belong here. Yeah. And then one day it hit me. A gym is a very egalitarian space because... Anybody who pays the fee has got the right to be in mm. there. Your level of fitness does not matter. What, whether you know what to do or you don't know what to do, it really doesn't matter. Mm. All the gym as an entity cares about is have you paid your money, therefore you can walk in through the door. And actually what a lot of gyms run on is the number of people who pay to be members and don't turn up. Yes. I love that. Brilliant. <laughs> you know, they, they don't have any kind of drain on the, on the resources. I would say that... Um, if if you're not sure, go to classes. Yeah, you know, go, just turn up. Turn it's up. Great for community as well. Mm. Like when you start to see the same faces at classes, especially in London, where it can feel so lonely. If you go to the same class each week, you start to build a bit of a community there, and it's really supportive. Actually, I think you're going to better gyms than I am. I, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't really tend to make friends. You know, it's yeah. kind of more because I work from home. Uh, I like getting outside, and because I, I'm at the keyboard at the computer a lot, mm. um, just getting up and moving about is really is really good good for you. No, I mean I must I must admit I, I do quite like it if if I'm in a gym class. 
and there's a person next to me who's half my age mm. and I can do more than they can. Yeah. Which I'm not being competitive. I'm not putting yeah. that them down in any way, but I'm just proud of thinking... How far you've well, come. Yeah, 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 you know, I mean, like... Um, before I was 50, I couldn't do any press-ups at mm. all. And I tried and tried for years to do, like, a full press-up up on your, up your toes. And then um, one day a personal trainer showed me a different way to do it, which was basically starting from raised rather than... Yeah. I'd, been st- I'd been starting from the ground, like some kind of beetle on its back, trying, trying <laughs> to get and couldn't get up from there. And now I, I can do... like I'll do, like, a set of 25 quite quite easily. I still can't do press-ups. Well, you see, but yeah. your day... Well, this is it. When I passed 50 and I couldn't... I thought, well, my press-up days have gone. <laughs> they were never here and now they have gone. I'll never be able to do this. So it's kind of to... to to be able to yeah. increase your fitness, particularly at a time in your life when society and the whole world is telling you that you matter less yeah. and that, that you're basically, your body's going to shit and it's all downhill from here. Yeah. That's, the, that's the really, really empowering thing about exercising and particularly doing weights mm. is you see yourself... Um, progress yeah. in a really positive way. you do way. as well. You can literally see yourself going up in numbers of yeah. things, so you get to see the progression. and Completely. I mean, not that fast, yeah. you know, sort of take t- a, a long time, but when you do hit a higher number that you've been aiming for for, for months, it's just really yeah. exciting and, and, and you, you do feel like you're kind of a little bit sticking it to the man because, yeah. you, because as I said, you, you know, you're, you're um, operating in a society that doesn't value yeah. um, women over 50, um, but you're valuing yourself, so yeah. you know it's it's a good thing to do. Okay, a time in your life where you felt like you really had your shit together. And I had my shit together. Gosh, um, I mean, I sort of feel I feel like um, like right now is pr- pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I, there's definitely, there's a difference between appearing to have your mm-hmm. shit together. And feeling it. And feeling it. And I, I do feel like right now, I, um, I do, I do feel like it's happened. I'm a little bit, I'm looking around for what is the next big project mm. going to be. Um, and I don't know that. And I, I'm, I'm trying to, um, that's my challenge is to be calm within yeah. that. Do you find that an exciting prospect or does that kind of trigger some anxiety in terms of it's not there's a little bit of anxiety yeah. with it because part of you is thinking what if that was it yes what if that was the best bit you know <laughs> I, had, I had a um a lovely um two book launch events because I've, I've done a number of books but i've never actually done it done a book launch before and i had these two lovely evenings with fantastic people around and i i did um conversation with um my my good friend Rachel who's a Pilates YouTuber mm. she, I tell you what she's really inspiring because she, she's um the girl with the Pilates mat on YouTube wow. and she, you know just an incredible fitness influencer in her in her 50s mm-hmm. so, so you know wow. and I feel like more of us being visible is good for yeah. all women but anyway me, me and Rachel had, had a lovely conversation it was a fantastic night but part of me was thinking Oh, what if what if this is it? <laughs> what if it's all downhill yeah. from here? But you don't know. You never know. It, it, whatever's around the corner um, could be something exciting, mm. or, or you know, it could be more more of a, of a challenge. Um, I do focus on um, every day. I kind of stop and think about what I'm grateful for, and there's always something. 
I think I think that's another thing that's um, really makes a difference yeah. if you want to start and be more more positive. So yeah, so there is part of me thinking, oh, what if there's nothing? But really, if I look at again going back to this thing of evidence of confidence, but if I look at the evidence of the last few years, even when there's times when things have been quiet, and I've felt like nothing's happening, something interesting yeah. is always out there. My first of this recent run of books that I've been been doing. Um, that nearly didn't happen because the email from the publisher went into my spam folder. No. And it was only because, I, I remember it very well, it was like a Monday afternoon, nothing was happening. I've kind of sat there with tumbleweed in my office going, what, what, the, what has gone wrong? <laughs> Something's gone wrong here. I mean, it must have been a bad day. If, if you start looking in your spam folder thinking, well, there must be something. <laughs> what have I missed? I and, and sure enough, in my spam folder no. was an email from this publisher um, who I had contacted mm. before. I had introduced myself. So I, ha- I had started to make it happen and not heard anything back from them. But I think you've always got to be planting seeds. Yeah. And you never know when they're going to fl- flourish. And so she'd emailed me and said, oh, we've got this book called Change Your Life in Five Minutes a Day, which would be good good for you. And I'm reading this thinking, yeah, it would be perfect for me if it wasn't in the yeah. spam folder. And then there was another email from her like three weeks later going, oh, just checking, just checking you got my, my email. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, I would have got your email if I hadn't, because the second one had gone to spam That's as well. Wild. But luckily, you know, having written books before, my husband's yeah. a writer as well, I know that the publishing world does run very slowly. Okay. So actually not having got back to them in three weeks wasn't you know it was fine and I was able to kind of salve it it hadn't gone gone anywhere else um but yeah I do often think about well what if I hadn't um, seen it seen it which I could easily not have seen it um but it was it was my instinct to look and I am very very big on instinct (laughs) very you know your instinct is your inner wisdom mm. and you know they talk about gut instinct yeah. and there's a lot of like nerve ending energy stuff w- within your stomach and it's some scientists refer to it the stomach as the second brain wow. so when you're getting those kind of gut instinct messages you've got to follow them it's like the most animal instinct i think it really is and i honestly think that your your gut instinct will always steer you right Mm. always so um yeah like i kind of if i'm having a moment where i'm just not sure i'm feeling i just i do kind of stop and put my hand on my stomach and say okay what is my instinct telling me now and just listen for whatever it might be Mm. and then that's what i'll follow even if sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense on on the surface eventually eventually oh you know you'll find out whatever that whatever it's uh, meant to tell you yeah I like that. So you're feeling like now is a time where you have your shit together. Kind of what you were saying before, because you've got projects coming out and you're able to go to gigs and like I guess getting getting the balance of joy and work and achievement. Yeah, I mean, uh, gosh, I'm 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 enjoying the freedom that I have mm. now in life. You know, my children were younger. Um, there was just a lot of staying at home and not going to any gigs for for years and years, um, and as soon as the oldest child got old enough to babysit, <laughs> I was very happy to do so. You know, it wasn't like I was kind of dumping them with a bag of crisps and, and uh, running out the door. It was maybe a little bit, <laughs> but I th- I think having had 
an extended period of time not having yeah. the freedom to choose what you do with your time. Then when you get it back again, when mm. your children are older, you really, really savour it um, and uh, enjoy it. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so so it's... so yeah, I'm, I go to a lot of gigs now. I, I find that was the big thing that I really missed during lockdown times was kind of live entertainment, things oh, happening yeah. in the room. I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of just being in the room i mean i'm conscious having just run two events for the book how people are still quite nervous about turning up yeah. for things i had to kind of stop myself getting a bit miffed at, at how flaky people would be but i mean honestly i i, th- I think there's maybe a lot of unspoken anxiety Definitely. around being in a crowded yeah. space um just going into the unknown mm. but for me personally I love it if, yeah. if if there's a performance, a play, just a thing happening that is not going to be repeated. I just think, God, all that time that we were at home for years and couldn't yeah. do that, I'm out there. You know, I'm I'm yeah. going to be there um, in the room. I I really think that's the best use of my time mm. right now. It's, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's exciting. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, a time in your life where you felt like you didn't have your shit together. There's loads of them. <laughs> I've got many, 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 many. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I was thinking about this earlier, and uh, I was I was thinking about when when I was in my thirties, um, just after I had my kids, um, I developed a very bad phobia of driving, anxiety wow. about driving, and I didn't drive at all for um, seven years, wow. and to the the point where I mean I tried. But I would I would have panic attacks in the car, and I think at one point I I couldn't even look at a, a, our car outside in oh in the street where because we had we had a car my husband would drive, um, but even looking at the car would remind me of of the fear and you know if 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 you've ever um, had your life dominated by a a big fear a big phobia a big anxiety it's horrible it's a horrible mm. place to be in it's not about the driving it's about having your life um controlled by fear because it makes your life smaller and it takes away your choice and uh it was rotten it was really really rotten and but i I started to come through and i tried lots of things to to get over this phobia you know i tried um hypnotherapy and and just tons of things and and i I was talking to people and it became clear to me that Actually, lots of people are scared of driving. It's a very, very common thing, particularly amongst women, mm. much more so women than men. And I, I used to think, well, um, you know, why, why is there not more help? Why is this not talked about? There's other phobias. You can get help for if you're scared of spiders or flying or yeah. whatever. Why is there nothing for um, fear of driving? And then eventually when I came through it and I was, I was talking to a publisher about doing some books and I was kind of started to be interested in that, I ended up writing a book called... Um, how to overcome fear of driving mm-hmm. so that book has now been out for um, 10 years and I know has helped thousands of people amazing all around the world because I get emails from I get emails from Gosh. people all over the world saying I didn't drive for years and I've read your book and now I can it's got I, I don't really look at the Amazon reviews anymore because yeah. they drive you mad but I know that there are a bunch on there from people saying thank you for this book it's yeah. really helped me with my fear of driving so um to me that's kind of an example of how 
eventually life makes sense yeah. and you can kind of join the dots. And I, f- I feel like that whole horrible time that I, I went through, um, you know, very much debilitated by this phobia, actually that was the thing that, that had, had to happen. And I also think that sometimes when you think to yourself in life, oh, you know, I wish this thing existed. Why, why isn't there that? Sometimes that's the sign. Do. You're the guy. Yeah. You're the person. If you're thinking, oh, I wish somebody would write a book about this, maybe that's you. Yeah. Maybe that, and because and, that actually what it, that turned out to be for me, I was the person. I'll, I'll show you it. Yeah. There it is. How to Overcome Fear oh my of Driving. Gosh, wow. By myself. Yeah. Very small publisher, terrible cover, but... I quite like the cover. It's well, not a road. Well, <laughs> it's it's all it's all right. It's not one of my better ones, but um, but you know, I I, I just yeah. um, I feel I do I do feel genuinely very proud of that that um, I made something good out, out of the the shitty yes. time that I was in yeah. and, and the shitty experience that that I had. So, yeah. and actually now. Um, I'm a very happy driver since since my kids being at university, you find yourself having to go on a lot of motorways all yeah. around all around the UK, and I, that's something that I'm grateful for every time that I can just quite happily get into the car, drive wherever I need to go to, um, because I'm I'm free now. Mm. Don't don't have that fear anymore. And was that fear triggered by having kids and like? Yes, I mean, yeah. Th- there's different factors yeah. involved, but a, a, a big thing was. Basically, when I was a small child, yeah. I fell out of a car right. um, on the motorway right. in Belfast. And that that was really terrifying. That and then when, when, <laughs> when I had um, my daughter, yeah. suddenly you're responsible for this. But it just, I, I really think that that was a big part yeah. that was um, part of it. But also um, whether or not your parents drive makes a big difference. Or mm. if, if particularly, um, if, if like my mother... Never, never drove, and is a very, very anxious passenger. If you think of when you're a child and you're in the back of the car, yeah. whatever's going on in the front seats with with your parents or whoever's driving, that's incredibly influential. Yeah. That's a big factor, yeah, as well. Um, so yeah, those are the kind of main things I think that uh, made a difference. But yeah, it's incredibly common. I mean, I, I, I researching it for the book, I, I reckon that. Um, Maybe as many as one in three people have got some anxiety, degree of yeah. anxiety around driving. Because some people, it's quite they can it's drive quite rational as well. As yeah, I mean, obviously it can be irrational where it where it becomes debilitating. But it, you're driving a piece of machinery that could cause damage if it's used incorrectly. That you know. Yeah, and you you get some people who are fine driving in certain circumstances yeah. but not in others like they might not like driving over bridges or driving mm. at night or going in the motorway um and i think um you know we all assume that other people can do it well when actually there's loads of people out driving who are still who are also quite frightened frightened about mm. it it's a bit like going back to um feeling calm i think i think we often assume that other people are calmer than we are. Don't we assume that yeah, other yeah. people have got their shit together much more than exactly, we have? Yeah. But what you're doing there is you're comparing your insides with somebody else's outsides. Yes. And, you know, so it's, it's different things now. Yeah. So what was it that helped you with driving then? Was it the act of writing or was it just, you know... I went and um, took a bunch of refresher lessons. Right. That made a difference. Um, because I felt safer then. Exposure. Yeah, be, being yeah. in a, in a, um, a 
a car that had two sets of controls, mm. so I knew that it wasn't just me in yeah. control. And because I already had my driving licence, I was able to say to the instructor, OK, I just want to drive to the shops and back. Or, like, we live near quite a busy uh, roundabout. Mm. And I spent a whole lesson driving onto this roundabout, going around and off and back again. Yeah. So I, I did these lessons in the places that I wanted to yes. drive. But I, I, I did a lot of just sitting in the car. I talk yeah. about this a lot, a lot in the book. You're sort of trying to move it from a place that your muscle memory associates with fear and into a place that you associate with um, happiness and just, just feeling calm and relaxed. So I would go and just sit in the car and I still, you know, really encourage people to do this. Just sit there, feel the fear, but let it let it go. Mm. You know, sit there and listen to some music. That yeah. you know, music's quite a big thing. I've got I've got a big um, Spotify playlist of driving songs, mm. which I, I they're all kind of calming bangers mm-hmm. that, that I, <laughs> I I only listen to it in the car, and it's um, you know all just kind of nice songs yeah. that you can um, sing along to that don't have any kind of scary lyrics yeah. within them like I love I love the Pet Shop Boys and one of the songs on my list is um, Go West so that's if you're driving west yeah. that's what you want to be playing um, but then I was, I was listening to their song Heart that's got the lyric my heart starts missing a beat no you don't want that when you're driving do you so no. any songs that have got lyrics relating to heartbreak having a heart attack oh how gosh. many songs have got? I don't want to listen to that no, when I'm driving no, no. so you kind of I've got these carefully chosen mm-hmm calming bangers love that um and that makes a huge difference that's great yeah that's great okay three things that make you feel like shit make me feel like shit okay um ultra processed food okay have, have you come across this this book um ultra processed people that's no. right oh my god it'll just put you off everything in the supermarket oh god. um and i as i got older just your body changes in terms of how how it um just deals with stuff digests things you know mm. most women you get older you can't handle booze so much bread ugh no <laughs> bad news um so yeah anything anything that's not real food yeah I'm I'm not some kind of health nut but I just find that um I've I've naturally gravitated more towards like just real life um regular stuff like if i have a snack it's an apple um because if i have crisps and don't get me wrong crisps are lovely crisps are great crisps are fantastic but i'm gonna feel like ugh, yuck afterwards so uh yeah things like that i i um i avoid not getting outdoors Mm. enough which is a thing i have to watch because i am very introverted especially if i've been doing something really social Mm. i will want to stay in the next day and hide but it's not good for me you know yeah. I can't do that do that too much so I've got in the habit of in the morning just walking outside I've got, got little got little garden out the back Gorgeous. um and just uh, even just a minute or so yeah breathing oh it's before you go to um your computer your phone all the yeah. rest of it because that that whole um unhappy world of of, of five billion emails yeah. and social media and all the rest that's always going to be there um so i make a point of just getting out uh, into just just nature just mm. a bit of a bit of outside i mean similarly um although my cat is a, is a grumpy old fucker 
he's it's calming to be with an animal because yeah. they don't know what is going on in the wider world. Yeah. They are not touched by it in in the way that that we as as human beings are. Mm. Um, so yeah, so sort of spending a bit of a bit of time with him, a bit of time time in nature. And I never used to be interested in nature at all. I've sort of over the last few years. I've I've planted a load of roses in Lovely. in the garden. I've got I've got your typical kind of tiny Brighton back garden, with ten different roses mm-hmm. in it, all different colours, and they've all got interesting names. So I go out and have a chat to them in the morning. It's so grounding, so calming. Yeah. Apart from, I've got one rose that's named after Paul McCartney, and he is not growing well oh, at wow. all. I'm, I'm fa- he was the smallest beetle, was he? Well. <laughs> It hasn't, and I go every. I talk. I come. Oh, come on, wee Paul. Come on today. And the other week, a few leaves appeared on it, and oh, I came wow. on it. And I said, I said to John, my husband, Paul's alive. <laughs> Next to Paul, I've got planted uh, Penny Lane mm. rose because uh, I went to university in Liverpool. And Liverpool's a real kind of special place in my heart. Penny Lane has taken off, thriving like crazy. And I'm, I'm there going, come on, Paul. Look, see how Penny Lane's doing. You're just sat there looking like a twig. It does look like... I'm hoping that... Because um, roses often, they, they can spend the first year growing their roots. Ah. And then something... You, so you don't see much on the surface. And then year two, you start to see something uh, something exciting coming. Um, so, so yeah, fingers crossed for Paul McCartney. Yeah. That's, that's, all, that's all we can Praying say. Praying for Paul. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so, so if I... It's more if I don't get outdoors yeah. and I... I um, kind of lean too much into being an introvert. Actually, similar to that, if if I, I don't just be sociable in some yeah. way. I, years ago, I read, there's a book called Quiet by Susan Cain, and it's all about being an introvert in an extrovert world. Wow. It's really good, and I, I, I thought it was, it was a good way to kind of find out more about yourself. But I found after I read this book... I leaned far too much into my introvert side and just basically didn't try with being sociable, yeah. spending time with friends, all, all that all that kind of stuff. And you, you just, you need to. Yeah. You need to. I, I'm a big believer in um, the saying, feel the fear and do it anyway. So times when I'm feeling fearful, feeling anxious, I, I consider that to be like like a bump in the road that you have to navigate or a piece of gristle in your food it's it's just it's a thing you've got to get around i i, I wouldn't i don't let anxiety or fear make decisions yes. for me anymore i just consider okay this is the thing i've got to deal with it's going to be a challenge i'm not going to let it stop me mm-hmm. going out in the world hey aunt hey you do a great job in editing this podcast, might I say. If people like the podcast, what do they need to do? Like it. What else? Follow it on social media. And then what? They could share it with every single person they know. Thanks, Ant. You can go back to your corner now. Bye. Okay, three things that make you feel like the shit. Um, you know, any, any, t- any kind of significant weight being yes. lifted by me I'm just like oh <laughs> I, I was on the um the leg press machine recently you know when yeah. you sit in it it's like sitting in a car and you push out uh-huh. with your feet and I loaded up um 120 kilos oh my god and then I remembered that 
the machine itself weighs 50 kilos. So I'm pushing 170 no. kilos with my feet. Oh my God. That's I amazing. just thought, I thought, I'm the business. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the business. Reminded me of years ago when I worked in TV. I used to work at Anglia TV in Norwich mm. on this programme called The Time, The Place that moved around the UK. Yeah. So we would sometimes have to produce it from. Aberdeen mm -hmm. and so you'd get this tiny plane that would go from Norwich and it would stop at Newcastle and no you'd way. stay on the plane yeah. it would stay on on um, the runway and then go off to Aberdeen and I remember sitting on this plane thinking oh this must be how the film stars live <laughs> on my tiny plane uh, going off to to do my do my work I just I really thought I was yeah. the business then um yeah and, and sort of and then also I think after you've accomplished something, yeah. you could you, and you've got the you've got away from the stress of worrying whether it's going to work or not. I mean, I, I as I said, I did two bookshop events with the book recently, and I found the run up to them was incredibly stressful. Mm. Just oh god, pr promoting stuff, trying to get people to come along, organising it, you know, just worrying if it's going to work, and then actually doing it was lovely, absolutely fantastic and brilliant. And then afterwards, really exhausting because it's such a big social thing. And yeah. as an introvert, it really takes it out of you. But afterwards, I did, I'm kind of walking up and down the street going, hey, look at me. I did my, <laughs> thing. I did, actually, I did um, a couple of events earlier in the year. And it was the first time that I'd spoken in public in front of real people. Because I have done events on Zoom mm. when you can't see who's there. So you're yeah. just in your room talking. So I find those things easy enough to do. Um, this is my first proper public speaking in a few years and it was at the comedy store in London with about 250 people there. Oh my gosh. And and the first one I did it was quite early in the morning. I think I was on about 11 o'clock. So come 12 o'clock I'd walk and you know how you feel after you've done some kind of yeah. you're absolutely bouncing, buzzing. Yeah, yeah. completely buzzing. And normally I think I would I would um, have a drink after because you know performance usually in the evening but this was like 12 o'clock in the day and I'm like Fine. <laughs> it's not really appropriate to go to the pub now but I'm kind of yeah it's, it's quite exciting that oh, buzz definitely you can see how people get hooked, get hooked on it mm. yeah for sure but mm. it's I, I sort of feel like the, the, the the introverts of us who put ourselves out there a bit more I think we, we, we should get double yeah <laughs> Okay, um, something that makes you lose your shit in a positive and a negative way. Oh, gosh. I mean, I have to say, I don't lose my shit often. Mm -hmm. I am genuinely... <laughs> I am genuinely calm, because I just... I mean, I've, I, I, I kind of I partly feel like this is hard won through having had some very difficult traumas in, in, in my life mm. to deal with. Grief... We haven't talked about the time my house burnt down when I was in it. I'm fine. I escaped. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? I, I sort of when you've had the big heavy shit yeah. of life to deal with, yeah. you know, little things like your train being late, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But saying that, um, I, I, I do um, get very, very annoyed by people putting their phones on in the cinema. Mm. Oh my god, I cannot yes. bear that. I can't. It's, even it's put me off going to cinema. Yeah. I think, oh, some. Some bugger's going to put their phone... And they always think they're doing it discreetly. But it's dark in there. It's the dark in there. Shines. And, and I, I, will, I will give people two strikes. Because when they do it once, I immediately know. It's yeah. like that my antenna goes up. 
And then I'm slightly on edge because I'm thinking they're going to do, do it again. They're yeah. going to do it again. And I will go and. Uh, <gasps> in fact, once I was, I was in um, a cinema and um, there was a bunch of young girls and mm. they just constantly had their phones on. And and I, I got to the point where I snapped and I thought, fuck this. And I kind of got up, went down the back of my row and I leaned over their seats and I was like, <laughs> could you not do that? It's annoying. But the thing was, they had Snapchat on with, you know, the filters where you like a oh. puppy dog. So as I'm leaning over the back seat, I could see myself turn in their screen looking like like a rabbit or a puppy. <laughs> oh, jeez. But to be fair to them, these young, they, they came up and apologised oh, afterwards and said, look, good. we didn't know, we didn't realise. Yeah. Fair enough. How do you not know when you're in the cinema? I don't, I, I don't know. I, th- I think I think people are so used to mostly watching films at home. Yes. Yeah. Just not used to being out in the world. It's the attention span thing. It's, it is, about. isn't it? Yeah. It is. But I, I, I must admit, some, sometimes, because I wear a Fitbit, mm. sometimes I'll move my hand in the cinema yeah. and the light of it goes on. I think, oh, oh, my God. I'm <laughs> one of those people that... I'm like, sorry. I don't, I don't want to be. Yeah. Well, it really put me off. I, I wanted to see Barbie recently. Yes. There's so much chat about it, but I thought... I bet you that yeah. that's that's a film that people are going to have their phones yeah, on definitely. during it. Yeah. No, but uh, to, uh, to me, I was at a gig um, last week, um, the Water Boys, mm. and one of their people plays a keytar. You know, it's like like a big keyboard amazing. that sounds like a guitar, and he was always oh, fantastic. It was amazing, and I could see the guy in the row in front of us got his phone out and Googled Keytar. He didn't know what it was. And he had up the Wikipedia page oh for Keytar. And then afterwards, we were in the after party and we met the Keytar player. We were like, there was a guy Googling the Keytar. He thought it was hilarious. Yeah. He, thought, he thought it was amazing that, you know, yeah. somebody was reading up on it That's so whilst funny. he was on, it's on the stage. You know? That's what it is. Be in the moment, yeah. Yes. So yeah. I suppose this is... It's a negative thing that does annoy me a bit, but equally, it it just it reminds me to be in the moment. Yes. It's, it's you know it's that, that whole that thing Gandhi said of you know, be the change you want to mm. see in the world. If you if you want people to be more in the moment, you be more in yeah. the moment. You want the world to be more peaceful, you start and be more peaceful. Yeah. So I kind of I try and take a positive lesson out of it. It's, mm-hmm. it's that that thing of somebody's pushing my buttons what is that all about and what is that that I need to deal with first and foremost because I can't change how other people behave I can only change how how I behave and how I react to things so it's what it all goes back to doesn't it yeah and something that makes you lose your shit in a positive way I think I think that's it it's kind of if 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 something triggers a reaction with me Mm um I, I I aim to be curious about that I think that's more positive than just being pissed off yeah. about it is to be curious and say, okay, that's made me lose my shit. What's that about? Yeah. What what's that what's that a uh, uh, connection to? Mm. What what's that reminding me of? Is there something that I maybe haven't processed as yeah. much as I should? Is it maybe a reminder that I'm at a lower ebb, maybe I need to pay attention to getting more sleep. You know how when you're at a lower ebb, yeah, doesn't take much to to set you off. Yeah. Um, you know, what wh- what do I need to to sort of take care of me so that I'm dealing with, you know, the the constant stress and whatever's going on in the world in a more positive way. A moment that you found some shit out about yourself. I'm th- I'm thinking of actually, funnily enough, this makes me think about um, 
lockdown and pandemic yeah. time, which obviously was a horrible, horrible time, I, I did a lot of um, just walks. Do you remember when you were allowed an hour's walk every oh my day? Gosh, yeah. Um, Rationed. And I, th I think I must have walked every corner of Brighton I could get <laughs> to, the local park, mm. countless times... Um, and I, d I, I like um, I like a mindfulness walk. I like a thinking walk. So mm -hmm. when I go out for a walk, I I don't tend to listen to music or podcasts or anything like that. I just try and process my stuff. Yeah. So I did a lot of these walks, processing my stuff and thinking about where am I at in life? What is going well? What is going? What is not going well? Because I I felt like. There was a lot of good stuff that came out in that I was really happy with um, where my family and my relationship was at because you know we were all in in the house here together, nothing else going on. And I, at the start of it, I did think, God, I know we're all quite introverted. Are we going to just start annoying each other? And, and, you know, um, but we didn't. We yeah. all got on great, and we still chose to spend time together. We, mm. we just obviously we go out for walks by ourselves, but equally we go out for walks together and and uh, and even things like our grumpy old cat. He was nice to spend time with um, because he was one of the few living beings that wasn't affected by the mm. pandemic. He didn't know what was going on. He, he could get out That's why everybody got, got a dog during, during yeah. the sort of lockdown because it just... It, animals are great for taking you away from uh -huh. whatever is, is the other kind of stress that's, that's going on. And I remember walking a lot and, and sort of thinking about things I'm happy with in my life, things I was not happy with. And I, I I landed on this question of what would it take for me to be at peace with that stuff? And yeah. I thought, but I can just decide. I can just decide I'm going to be at peace with, particularly the early part of my life when I lived in Belfast and there was just a lot of very heavy shit to deal with. Um, I thought, you know, I can I can just decide to be at peace, you know, mm. and 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 in doing that, I give myself freedom. And, and I just, I, I find that was a nice thing to settle on. So it was almost like I was giving myself therapy, which is it, working as a coach, you do realise which questions hit home with people and which don't. So you can start to ask them of yourself and, so and try and take yourself to a more evolved um, place. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I, I really um, recommend um, a, a, good, a good hearty walk. Yeah not listening to anything other than whatever is going yeah. on in, in your own head. And actually, this, this reminds me of something that came up in the Calm book, that any type of repeated physical movement is very calming. I mean, we mentioned meditation. So many people have just put off meditation. I, I think if you're into meditation, you'd already be doing it. Yeah. But you can you can access that kind of meditative state by doing something that is repetitive. It's like flow state. Yes, it? that's exactly it. So... Walking, running, uh, sewing, doing a jigsaw, cooking. cutting vegetables, yeah, yeah cooking, any, anything like that will take you into that yeah. sort of calming, meditative yeah. flow state. And then when you come out of it, you're just in such a be better place yeah. to deal with life. Yeah. I had a time recently, a few months ago, where I was starting, to, I was going through a phase of feeling quite anxious every day. And I was spending a lot of time on my own and I was thinking, gosh, why don't I feel peaceful I just feel like I'm like my thoughts are so busy and I'm like running 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 trying to process things and then I kind of realized that even though I was on my own and like I was journaling and stuff like that I was still 
constantly consuming something because mm. if I was in my on my own in the house I'd be listening to a podcast or if I was going for a walk I'd be listening to music like my brain just felt so busy and stimulated constantly and I think when I realized that that I was still consuming information like I wasn't you know I wasn't scrolling on my phone but I was still it was still entering into my ears in that way and then I realized that and I was like god I just need to have like a quiet day mm. and I like turned everything off and went for a walk and like listened to the birds and it was, yeah, it was really grounded and really beneficial. Yeah, because you can't keep on just overloading, overloading Stimulating yourself. Yeah, you, you, just, you have to find a time to process. But the, the world is very stimulating. Yeah. I mean, an awful lot of people will feel quite anxious when they go into somewhere like, let's say, um, a supermarket. Yes. Or a shopping centre. Yeah. Because if you think about it, all those places are designed to sell you something because yes. that's what they exist for and by selling you something they're giving you the message that you are lacking mm. you're lacking these shoes this book yeah whatever it might be and that's quite a corrosive message yeah. isn't it so um yeah i i think making i suppose the, the point that, that i would make is don't wait until you feel like that yeah start and do those things first maybe identify for yourself where is the most calming place that you can get to quite easily? Mm. Is is there a park, an art gallery, a library? Yeah. Um, you know, just go. We're lucky in Brighton here, being so close to the sea. Yeah. If you've got a, a place that is physically calm, if you go there, mm. you can absorb some of that atmosphere. Yeah. Even if you're not actually feeling it in in yourself. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It, it doesn't help to be taking in just loads of stuff i mean I, I i think if you can go for a walk and leave your phone at home oh, although yeah. i've mentioned this to people and they've just looked appalled <laughs> oh no no what if there was an emergency was it a, you know can't possibly go for a 10 minute yeah, walk leaving your phone fine. at home it'd <laughs> be fine be fine gosh okay shittest piece of advice you've received do you know i was thinking about this and it's it's difficult because when, when you're a coach, people don't tend to give you advice. Mm. They come to you for advice. Yeah. So you're but, the shit advice. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe I am. But, but that's the thing. Coaching isn't really about giving yeah. advice. It, it, it's, as, as I said before, it's about questioning. It's about listening. Mm. I do remember when I was at school and I went to see the careers advisor and she yeah. ran through all my things, my exams and stuff. And she said, Joanne, have you thought about being an actuary? What's that? What I don't, I still don't know what it is. Yeah. I, actually, I, lo- I looked it up the the other day, and uh, they do earn a lot of money. So maybe I've, <laughs> maybe I've gone a bit wrong there. I th- it's it's something financial. It's right. working things out in business. What it is is something where you'd have to um, wear a suit and turn up to a grey office, mm-hmm. which is really not me. So yeah. it's kind of I don't know where I should got that from. But certainly when I was younger, there was very much um, a focus on getting a proper job and even if you were at heart a creative person who wanted to do something more exciting and stimulating you maybe saved that for when you were retired Mm -hmm. but you did the boring job throughout your life and I I did I left school when I was 17 and went to work in the civil service so I was in I've done my time in a grey office (laughs) I know that it's not Mm -hmm. for me um and you know I ended up I did A levels at night classes then to get to university so it was a long hard kind of um road to go on but I I think these days we all know the job for life has long since gone we'll all do lots of different things Mm -hmm. throughout our lives and really life's too short not to follow what's in your heart and um you know do your creative stuff 
Yeah. Um, if if that's what you feel drawn to, maybe it'll become your full time job. Maybe it won't, mm. but it still deserves a place in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, don't don't listen to people who are trying to don't push. Yeah. Push you into <laughs> a grave. Unless you actually wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Shit. You wish you'd known sooner. I don't know. I mean, I think because I get a lot of joy out of exercise. Yeah. Um, I I wish that. I'd, f- I'd felt a way to be free within that when I was younger. When I was younger, um, I was just very, very physically self-conscious yeah. for a long, long time and not in any way comfortable in my own skin. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was the girl that would hide at the back, didn't want photographs taken. Yeah. Just, just always felt like I almost wasn't, wasn't good enough just wasn't enough yeah. generally I think that that actually has been a long lifetime lesson to learn that I am enough and I think the sort of feeling of, of not being enough yeah. did plague me for a long time oh my gosh. but again that was something that I, I got out of um, my kind of therapy walks during lockdown time that the, um, and thinking about what could take me to feeling more at peace in myself and it was actually realising that that you are enough and you don't have to try and be more of of yourself but yeah it would have been nice if, if I'd have been able to do Zumba at school <laughs> and not running around the hockey pitch in your knickers oh that yeah. would have been so much better yeah yeah I definitely think that is a journey that I'm on in terms of knowing that you're enough learning not to people please don't worry so much about what everyone thinks about you like I, I think that comes with age and I see it in my parents, how they're... It's still a journey for them trying to reach that as well. Yeah. It's it's a lifelong journey, but with anything like that, the first step is to recognise that mm. it's going on. So if you yeah. reach the point where you realise these things are an issue for you, it'll start to unfold yeah. and you can deal with it. It's when... Um, I mean, people-pleasing is such a common thing, oh. I think, especially for women. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, you're, tr- you're trying to fix the world. Yeah. Um, and, but so many people do it and they don't, they don't think of it. They think it's a good thing. Oh, I know. But the, 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 yourself the, out. Well, but also, I, I, one thing that helped me switch my thinking on that was I, I did some training in transactional analysis. Yes. And they were, they were talking about how for you to be the rescuer and to help other people, that means somebody else has to be the victim. Wow. So that means you are not having an adult-to-adult conversations and I thought oh shit I I want to be the the rescuer being the rescuer is nice you know helping people people say blah blah but I don't want to make other people the victim no no and you can say that's actually that's quite a bad dynamic yes so that really helped me to just step away from that so I aim for um just you know being adult to adult yes even though obviously I meet a lot of people for whom I'm old enough that I could be their parent but that doesn't mean that I am their parent yeah. it's kind of a, it is a bit of an issue as you get older because you meet other people and they see in you they cast you yeah they cast yeah. you as, as like their mom you think yes. you're, you're the mommy's age and so whatever issues they've yeah. got with their mommy they, they come to the fore but again that's their stuff yeah. you can't do anything about that all you can do is treat them as a fellow fellow adult yes. with respect and hope that you know that that it'll kind of level itself out. But I think, yeah, being aware of if you've got too much tendency to be a rescuer, that's the first step mm. in, in not doing it anymore. Gosh, that's fascinating. Okay, we're at the point of a shit shot. A shit so shot. this is a photo that to the outside eye 
would have looked like you had your shit together, but at the actual time, you definitely didn't. Right, I've, I've put, I'm going to show you this. So first, before, before I show you this, um, do you know much of uh, Twin Peaks, David Lynch's I've, I've never series. seen it, but I've heard a lot about it. Okay, so in Twin Peaks, I was a mad, mad Twin Peaks fan, and there's this character called the Log Lady. Uh-huh. Typical David Lynch, she carries a log around, <laughs> and she says kind of wise things, and she's okay. absolutely amazing. So my, my shit shot is actually the day I met the Log Lady. Oh, my Which gosh. was in um, 2010. She's uh, actually... She's, she's sadly passed away now. Oh. She's an actress called Catherine Coulson. Oh. And you'll see she's carrying a little tiny log, which she would carry around. I'm holding, these very I'm holding a slice of cherry pie. <laughs> cherry pie is a big thing in the, in the Twin Peaks world. Uh-huh. And this was the first Twin Peaks convention in, um, wow. in London. And you can see I'm, like, happy, but I'm also... I'm freaking out going... Yeah. It's a fucking log lady! It's a log lady! <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've worked with lots of high-profile people, and I yes. still know in my coaching, I very often coach high-profile people, I am not phased in the slightest by celebrity fame. Yeah. They're just normal people, you know? Yeah. They're just pissing shit like the rest of us. Yeah. Um, but when I met the log lady, I was like... Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about that. At the Twin Peaks convention, they had these people doing cabaret, mm-hmm. and one of them was a log lady stripper. So the Stunning. log lady's character, she dresses very sort of dowdy, conventional. Mm-hmm. Think of like a secretary sort of thing, and yeah. she's she quite a distinctive look with a, a bob and glasses and the log. So this log lady stripper she's doing a sexy dance with her log she takes her top off she's rubbing the log all all around her boobs and everything right that minute she's doing that who enters the auditorium at the back of the room but catherine coulson the actual log lady oh my god Wow. To see her alter, it's the log lady stripper, and because I was sat, I saw her coming in, and that's and when that picture was taken, we talked about that. I was like, "Did you see that log lady stripper?" And she's like, "Wow!" Scarred into my mind that. But you know what? She was so charming. She yeah. was lovely. Yeah. I think she realised that everybody was kind of freaking out, going, "Oh my god, it's the log lady," <laughs> um, and was just lovely. And wow. it just it just shows how. Um, you know, we all have an opportunity to set the tone, put other people at their ease, and yeah, she was she was just delightful. That's hilarious. Having no concept of what Twin Peaks is about, I feel like I need to go and Google it. You do, you why do. Is a woman yeah, carrying a log everywhere. Why is a woman? To be honest, you could watch <laughs> so all of questions. it, and you still won't find out why. But it just—that's not how David Lynch operated. Mm-hmm. It just is. There just is a woman with a log, Great. and she 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 shares her wisdoms. Amazing! I love that for her. <laughs> Okay, Joanne, have you got your shit together? I, th- I think I pretty much have. Yeah. Finally, yeah. at the age of 54. Yeah. <laughs> You're definitely in the era of yeah. having it together. Yeah. 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 That's so great. Thank well, you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. This podcast is produced by Ant Hickman. The artwork is produced by Tim Saunders and the photography is by Patch Bell. A massive thank you to Cassia for letting us use their song Slow. See you on the next episode of Have You Got Your Shit Together? Now and then I'm just a little bit low I always try to lose my mind in a conversation with you 